Good morning. I thought we were going to have a slim crowd this morning, but uh, the auditorium's close to full, so it's good to see everybody. I see several who I don't recognize, and I know we've got visitors who no doubt are here for the holidays. Thank you for, for taking your Sunday morning to come and worship with us. I also know that we have several who are gone. I know that several in our young families class are traveling uh, today, and uh, we'll look forward uh, to them getting back home. So I asked the men in the room before we came out, how many of you weigh more this week than you did this time last week? I expect uh, the net weight of our congregation has increased a bit this week because that's what we do for Thanksgiving. We, uh, we eat through the holidays and uh, look forward to another round in December, and then we start our diet uh, soon after the first, right? We are a blessed people, and I want us to spend a few minutes this morning thinking about about how thankful we are, and in fact, in an effort to try to help us to understand how blessed we are, I want you to think about how many times we as individuals have walked into rooms knowing that the electricity is off and still turning that light switch to turn the light on. You know what I'm talking about? How many times have we all done that? We walk in and we reach for that switch, and then when the light doesn't come on, then suddenly we realize how fortunate we are to have electricity most of the time. And sometimes as I pray, I will pray giving God thanks for those things, many of which we don't even stop to think about until they are taken from us. And we could talk today about what it's like to lose our health, what it's like to lose a spouse or another family member, and we'll talk about that as we continue in the lesson. But I want to suggest this morning as we begin these few minutes of being reminded of how thankful we should be how important it is for us to be thankful for blessings without having to have them taken from us for us to appreciate them as we should. Thanksgiving, indeed, is more than just a meal. But what did you look forward to? The last couple of weeks, as you knew Thanksgiving was coming, we looked forward to having a day or two off. We looked forward to a good meal. We looked forward to a change of pace, and I hope that we looked forward as well to stopping to think about what things matter to us. Many years ago, this came out in the famous cartoon, Charlie Brown, where Marcy said, Thanksgiving is more than eating, Chuck. You heard what Linus was saying out there. Those pilgrims were thankful for what happened to them, and we should be thankful too. We should just be thankful for being together. I think that's what they mean by thanksgiving. A little more serious quote comes from E.P. Powell when he said, Thanksgiving Day is a jewel to set in the hearts of honest men, but be careful that you do not take the day and leave out the gratitude. And I picked this statement because this is the gist of what I want us to do today. I want 
over the next few minutes for us to make the day more than just a meal. And it's important for us to do that because Thanksgiving is what God wants us to do. From Psalm chapter 107 or the 107th Psalm, verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And from verses 8 and 9, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. So many times already today we have told God thank you in James' prayer. And in John's last prayer today, we were thankful to God doing exactly what God has asked us to do. From Psalm 100 uh, that Andrew read to us, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. I came earlier this morning and was looking over my notes as I prepared. And one of the things that caught my attention more than it had before is this last line where God's faithfulness continues throughout all generations. And it caused me to think about how some 3,000 plus years ago the psalmist wrote this. And he said, we're thankful because God is faithful. And several years later... In the year 2022, today, God continues to be thankful. And James reminded us in James 1, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights or from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shadows change. Indeed, God is faithful. Well, God's people have always said thank you to God. When good things have happened, we see a history of people stopping to say thank you. If we want to go back to Genesis 6, Noah, when the flood was finally over and that big boat landed on Mount Ararat, Noah saw fit to give thanks to God. In Exodus 15, Moses and Israel, after finally being delivered from the Egyptians, they stopped to tell God, thank you. And of course, those Jews had their days of feasts, days of Thanksgiving feast, uh, the Feast of First Fruits and the Feast of Tabernacles that we read about in Exodus 23, are examples of their Thanksgivings in which they would tell God, thank you for blessing us, for the harvest. Thank you for taking care of us. And it was important to them to do so, and God saw that as he implemented these days. We can go to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 12, where after the walls were rebuilt, the people gave thanks to God because they once again were God's people. And they once again had protection from God. And we can go to the prophetess Esther in Esther chapters 8 and 9, where they celebrated deliverance. And in doing so, they established the feast, the Memorial Day, the Thanksgiving of Purim. And then the Thanksgiving feast of all 
which Jesus established in Luke chapter 22, communion, which we participated in a few moments ago, and we do every week. And as we go back to those gospel writers, as they gave the account of the Last Supper, as they celebrated Passover and Pentecost, we can think of the celebration that we are a part of each Sunday because it is way bigger than Passover and Pentecost were to those Jews. It's a continual reminder of how thankful we are that we are God's, not because of what he, do, he has done, or we do for him rather, but what he has done for us. Well, look at an interesting part of the history of Thanksgiving, and, uh, and I want to get especially to the latter part of this, but just to put things in context, uh, we can go back to uh, 1621 when the pilgrims uh, informally established Thanksgiving in Plymouth, and in 1789 when our first president established a national day of Thanksgiving, and then it was made especially the last Thursday in November in 1863. But I want you to look especially at this next statement. And I want to read somewhat of a lengthy writing to you, a proclamation of Abraham Lincoln, because notice especially the dates. And it was in October of, eight, of uh, 1863 when... Lincoln signed the proclamation to make the last Thursday of each November a day of thanksgiving nationally. But look at the dates that surround the proclamation of thanksgiving. Because Lincoln signed this proclamation in the very middle of the Civil War. The four years of Civil War were going on, and again, right in the middle of that period, Lincoln said, we have reason to stop and to give thanks. Now, as I found this proclamation and read it early in the week, I thought about the day in which we live. I thought about the situation between the Russians and the Ukrainians. I think about how troubled so many of us are politically, how many deaths there have been, even in our family here at West Seventh in recent months and years, how the times are somewhat disrupted. But I want you to think about how even in the middle of the Civil War, Lincoln said, we have so much for which to be thankful and in the same way, I believe we have so much for which to be thankful. Notice the words from Lincoln. The year that is drawing towards us is close. It has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever watchful providence of Almighty God. 
In the midst of a civil war, unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. Needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements, and the mines as well of iron and coal as of the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased. Notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege, and in the battlefield, and the country rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which, we, in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. Now, I don't know if I held your attention through that long reading or not, but what Lincoln said is, even in all of the turmoil of life, God still continues to bless us. Lincoln said, God still holds things in his hand, And Lincoln said, I expect he will continue to do so. I want to spend the last few minutes this morning in encouraging us to do what Lincoln and others have encouraged us to do, and that is to stop and to realize what a blessed people we are. And I want us to look at three different things that we truly are blessed to experience. The first one is just the materialistic things that we have. May we be reminded that God truly has blessed us. 
Now, if you can see that picture closely, you'll see that one of those individuals is a little older than he used to be. Our good friend Obadiah Doka from Nigeria came to Freed Hardeman several years ago. He was in his 30s as he came, and he left behind a wife and children for the purpose of coming to the United States to get a degree in Bible and to return to his home of Nigeria for the purpose of teaching Nigerians about God. Doka probably did as much to help me to realize what a blessing it is to live where we live as anyone in my life. Because he came from nothing. Some of you have heard me tell the story before that on one occasion, and I had Doka in class, on one occasion... We invited Doka to come to eat with us, and he came, and as we were out looking at the farm and went back around behind the shop, and he saw my tractor, he said, oh man, if I had that in Nigeria, I'd be a millionaire. And I said to him, Doka, why do you say that? And he said, well, when I was in Nigeria, I was a farmer. And I said, I didn't know that. Tell me about it. Did you have land? He said, I rented land. I said, how much? He said, 10 by 10. And I said, 10 acres by 10 acres? And Doka said, oh no, with a laugh, 10 feet by 10 feet. And his job was, with a homemade hoe, to till 100 square feet of soil and raise vegetables to sell. And that was his occupation. I was reminded Friday as we were coming back and in fact laughed to myself and said nothing, but as we were coming back from Dyersburg, one of Carter's and Allison's, one of our grandsons who was seen in the back, Walter said, oh, I'm starving. (laughs) And I chuckled because several years ago when Carter was about that age, we were coming home from Christian Chapel where I preached that night and Doka had gone with us and little Carter said, can we stop in Lexington to get something to eat? I'm starving. And without scolding him, Doka said, oh man, don't say that. You don't know what you're talking about. And then he went on to explain how on one occasion he had to go for seven days without food because he had to give what he had to his children and to his wife. Well, we just don't really think about that, do we? Because we live in a country in which we are so very blessed. I think most of us at one time or another have had the thought, why did God put me where he did? I think most of us have asked the question, was that random or was it planned? We sometimes think, why did God put me in the family that he did? Or why did he put me in the part of the world that he did? I don't know that I can theologically answer that question. But I know what I need to do with the result. I need to be thankful One of my good friends has said on occasion, America is one of the few countries in the world where those who live in poverty are overweight. It's not intended to be a slam, just intended to cause us to realize the truth of the statement. It's the case that we throw away 
what most of the world would love to have. What do we worry about? We worry about our HVAC systems getting old and possibly needing to be replaced. We may worry about having a child who's about to be 16 and we're trying to figure out how to pull together funds to get him or her a vehicle. We worry about our retirement and investment funds taking a hit because of the downturn in the market. We may think, oh, I just need a new pair of shoes. <laughs> and I saw several grins because if we were to count the number of shoes in our closet, by comparison, we might be embarrassed. Maybe, may we be reminded how blessed we are because God has given us so very much. But number two, maybe we be reminded how fortunate we are to have family. Now, I want to go ahead and mention at the outset of this that even the very beginning of this point becomes a trigger to so many of you who are sitting here this morning. It becomes a trigger because so many have lost individuals due to COVID or divorce or death. And I know by my saying this, it is a reminder of those that you do not have. But as one told me on occasion, it's not like we're not thinking about that constantly anyway. It is also the case that those who have lost children or spouses or parents those very close to them would be the first to say, you preach on. You tell them how they should give them a hug, how they should appreciate the fact that we have these benefits that we might not stop to think about unless someone calls our attention and reminds us to do so. How many times in the counseling room each week do I hear someone who's grieving saying something about how they wish they had just another moment. Family, indeed, is a blessing from God. Number three, I want to call attention this morning to our church family. And I intentionally this morning plan to make our lesson a little more brief this morning because I want us to have time between worship and class and our fellowship period to do exactly what I'm encouraging us to do with this. To be reminded of what a blessing we have to be by being a part of this church family. Several years ago, we did a mission trip to Guyana, South America, and I'm often reminded from one thing or another of what it was like to preach at those churches in Guyana, I remember especially the Thursday night, if I remember right, in which we went way out into the bush and we met at one of the churches down outside of Georgetown. And the church was a fenced-in back porch area of a family, and the church primarily was that family that had four or five of the singingest kids I've ever heard. I also remember those two Rottweilers that stood e exactly behind me on the other side of the chain link fence in the next door neighbor's backyard and how I ho so hoped that chain link fence was strong. But I thought about 
I've thought through the years about those situations and and how if we were to bring that family of seven or eight (laughs) and sit them in our midst this morning, what would they think? If they were to hear our singing, what would they think? If they were to see so many capable men who are able to stand before the congregation and pray and and do the things that we do because of all the resources that we have, I wonder what they would think. We could talk about our good friend Patrick, who no doubt is listening this morning in Lewistown. <laughs> and he's smiling right now because I mentioned his name, guarantee you. Lewistown is a great church. I love going out there. This morning they'll have 35 or 40. And they'll love being together and they'll be strong and they're doing well. But just for a moment, may we stop and think about how blessed we are. We don't have to go very far to northeast Georgia or south Alabama or central and southern Mississippi to find churches this morning that may have 10 people within them. And again, oh, how blessed we are. We are blessed. In our young families class on Sunday morning, on a typical Sunday, we'll have close to 50 people in there, 25 couples or so. That's pretty neat to me. We have 13 elders. We have 150, well, we have a lot of deacons. And oh, how great it is to have so many that are capable and willing and qualified to be deacons. And the world's a big place. There's a lot to do. We have seven full-time ministers and staff. We are diverse in age and spiritual maturity and background. And we are surrounded with helping, caring people And I will tell you, I've never seen a church that steps up any bigger than this church. Whether it's financial, whether it is needing manual labor to help. You see, the thing we don't do nearly as well as we ought to is provide the opportunities. Because when we provide the opportunities, there is no church in my book that steps up bigger than this one does. Why? We've got a lot of very capable and qualified and talented people. A lot of people who are committed to God. And I want you to think about the fellowship aspect of this. Because by being a part of West 7th Street Church of Christ, we have people to go to when we are in need. There are so many of you that if I were to need things of different types, different nature... I could go to you and you would give me way more than lip service. And that's true for each of us. The bottom line is God truly has blessed us in so many ways. And it is my purpose this morning to help us to remember that God has blessed us with so many things by allowing us to live where we do. He has given us family And he has given us church family. Today, may we understand that this is more than a meal. And may we say thank you. So I encourage you, especially with number three, 
Today, as we have the opportunity to enjoy each other, to do so, and to give thanks to God, we offer the invitation. If you need the prayers of this church, if you want to pick, pick this day to become a child of God, why not make this a day you'll remember the rest of your life? If that's your need, or if we can help in any way, we would encourage you to come while we stand and sing. The Lord lift his countenance upon